Hi, this is Melissa Wood Tepperberg, and this is the Move with Heart podcast. Are you ready? <laughs> Just breathe it all in. I want to talk. I can't lie. <laughs> I was like, it's going to be short, sweet, and very spicy. And we're going to get right into it because apparently some of you think I talk too much. <laughs> Okay, Nikki was just sharing such a sweet story, and I feel like you have to share it. Okay, I will share it. So I know you're friends with Gabrielle Bernstein, and she's an incredible human being and has helped so many people, including me. And when I was going through IVF, which if anyone has gone through it, they know what you know a struggle it can be mentally, emotionally, physically. And Gabrielle's book, The Universe Has Your Back, was really helpful for me. And it was part of what inspired me to name my first daughter Gabrielle. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. She'll love to hear that. I mean, she's she's an amazing person. She is. She's been a guiding light and mentor in my life as well. And that's just so nice to hear. There you go. I'm a super fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to, I mean have you here, have you a part of this platform launch to just like, I feel like from the moment I started following you, and it's truly thanks to my girlfriend, Ashley Stetz. I have Mm -hmm. to give her a big shout out (laughs) because she was pregnant and she's like, do you know Nikki Bergen? You will love her. Like I'm doing all of her workouts during my pregnancy. Mel, you have to follow her. So immediately I like, I just fell in love with you. Like, you just... I'm getting the clumped. (laughs) (laughs) You have such a, like, no-frills way about just, like, teaching, being. Like, you're just so authentically who you are. And I feel like it was the first video that I watched. You were using the crib. Oh, yeah. And you were doing a little standing series. And I was like, this is my girl. I love this girl. (laughs) I mean, you may as well use it for something if you're, you know, (laughs) double purpose. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah, it's it's been really cool to get to know you. And I'm honored to be part of the platform. And my mission is really to help more women understand their pelvic health. Because I love that you said no frills way of teaching. Because the point is, is that I believe so much in trying to disseminate research and information that doesn't necessarily get down to everybody, right? Right. So like evidence-based movement. There's a lot of stuff out there that is selling stuff, right? Right. Selling products or whatever. And, you know, is there evidence behind it? So I really like, you know, peeing your pants doesn't have to be part of motherhood. You know, like (laughs) I like talking about this stuff. You know, there are things we can do to improve diastasis recti. You know, a waist trainer's not it, friends. <laughs> so stuff like that, right? Right. I, I think we need to sort of be able to navigate that info and really bring the best information possible forward for people. I mean, you do such an amazing job of it. I I think what like one thing, one of the many things that really drew me into is like you have a way of really simplifying the approach to moving your body when pregnant and like even just like your birth prep courses that you have like i pregnancy is so sensitive and like it's sensitive for 
everyone, no matter how many times you've done it. Every pregnancy is different and we're all so different, like how it affects us. It, it just shows up differently for everyone. And I, I feel like you have such an inviting way of, of sharing that. And I mean, not to mention like your Instagram on how you like debunk all the things that are kind of out there. I feel like I try. You do. You, she does. <laughs> I, you know, I feel like for me, I was so selective and thoughtful with who I wanted to be a part of this community and MWH as a whole. And, and for, for me, like, you know, turning to someone like you, you, you're such a leader in this space and you, you, you are, I mean, and you just, you guide in such a gentle yet like extremely effective way. And I would love to know, like, how, how did this all happen? Like what brought you here? What made you really hone into pre and postnatal postpartum and beyond? Cause I think people think it's like just that, but you can do, I did, I did one of your workouts the other day. <laughs> Love that. And I'm not pregnant. I don't think. I mean, <laughs> but it was amazing. It was super gentle. Yeah. And, but I like really felt it. Awesome. I did a booty series. Booty. Yeah. The booty. It's never, you pretty much always have to work the booty no matter what, forever and ever. Um, that's a good question. How did I get into it basically? How did I start to specialize? Yeah. Like I, what like made you feel drawn to really kind of honing in on pre postnatal, so it's, I'm unique, I think, in the fact that like I had kids, I was older, I was 36 and 38 when I had my kids, we did fertility. So it took a while, but I'd been teaching this work since my, I'd say mid to late twenties. Okay. So a lot of people get into pre and postnatal after they have kids, but I got into it earlier. So did my Pilates certification and started teaching, um, you know, classes. So I'll try to keep this as brief as possible for people because it's a long story. But basically, I had been working as a dancer before. I'd been working at a studio. Didn't Once I got my Pilates cert, I didn't want to do the studio thing anymore. I want to try something different. And I've always believed that you need to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. And as soon as I graduated, I literally went out and bought a reformer. And I was like, have reformer, will travel. I cold called a whole bunch of sport medicine clinics. And I was like, hey, do you offer Pilates? If not, I've got the, if you have the space, I've got the reformer. You don't have to pay me. You know, it'll be whatever you want, percentage split. Let me service your, your clients, your patients, essentially. And pretty quickly, they were like, sure, come on in. So I set up and I, in hindsight, I was like way in over my head, but I'm setting up, I'm like 26 years old, setting up my big piece of equipment, this Pilates machine. Wow. And they're like, okay, here are your patients for the day. And it's like, here's a firefighter with a herniated disc. Here's a woman with a scoliosis surgery with a rod in her spine. Here is a pregnant 40-year-old who has this. And I was like studying every night before who I was going to see the next day. Some of them were on like disability. Like I was like talking to the massage therapist, the chiropractor, the physio, like, what do I got to do with this person? Like, yeah. you know, and I learned a lot really quickly. And then 
From there, their insurance would run out and they'd be like, I can't afford privates anymore. Can we do group classes? And so literally at the end of the day, I'd push all the physio beds aside and we'd create this little space and I'd host these group classes for like 15 bucks a person in this little space. And I learned that I had to create a methodology that would be accessible for people, mm-hmm. but challenging yet safe. And eventually lots of pregnant people would be coming in and I'd be like, you guys need your own thing. Like, and so I started doing like prenatal classes. And then, so it sort of evolved very organically. Um, and that's sort of the, in a nutshell, how it started. I love that. Yeah. I love that you just like cold called. <laughs> that's amazing. I, I love when people just like take things by the reins and just, yeah. you know, take things into your own hands. That's so great. It put, you know, I think we've all had jobs that we didn't like. And I had a pretty crappy boss in my mid-20s at the dance studio. And I was Mm. like, never again. Yeah. (laughs) Never. And he did me a favor. Right. Right? I know. It's so, like, when you're in it, you it's hard to see it. Yeah. But then being able to, like, take a step back and look for the lesson and, like, the gift. Totally. I mean, I that's truly how I I became a teacher was from a crappy teacher, crappy teachers that like made me feel like crap. And I was like, why am I paying you when I'm totally, you know, my desires to feel good and I'm feeling worse about myself. So that's amazing. I feel like one thing like I really look to you for is you share information, especially around like birth that I find is so essential for women to feel empowered going whether going into the hospital. I think you share a lot of things around this very sensitive topic and subject, but it's so interesting because I feel like we're led to believe certain things when we actually have a choice, mm-hmm. right? And we have a right to want to be in a certain position while giving birth. Can you please I love that you're give asking it this? to us, Nikki? Oh God, like love. shed some light <laughs> for all of us mamas who want to feel like we can take yeah. this into the palm of our hands or at least walk, go in with more confidence. Cause it's so scary when you go into the hospital to give birth. So I will say something that everybody needs to know is that it takes on average 17 years for evidence and research to make it to clinical practice. 17 years. So a lot of the care is not evidence-based. And I think knowing that and doing your research and learning and being educated when you go in makes it easier for you to advocate for yourself Mm -hmm. and find your voice and say, I'm going to decline. You keep it polite, keep it respectful. Always. But it is so hard, as you know, to find your voice. You're so vulnerable. And we've also been groomed to be good, nice girls our whole life. And you don't want to be that bitchy patient. You know, you want to be a good patient. Mm. You don't want to, you know, and plus you're dealing with a lot of stuff and it's very scary and new. And so this is what I'm so passionate about is it's the education piece, because when you walk in informed, you are saying, you know what, and literally (laughs) I have students, I'm like, here are some studies, read them, print them out, show up to your appointment and literally be like, so (laughs) here's the deal. Can we talk about this? Or like another line I tell people to say, I guide them to say is, you know, there's a lot of routine practice that is not necessary and is not beneficial. So one of the things you can say to your care provider, your OB, whomever, 
you know, what's the clinical indication that this is best for me? You might routinely like to induce everybody at 39 weeks, but what's the clinical medical reason you're going to induce me today at 39 weeks? Oh, well, we just like to do that around here. That's not a reason. Right. Right. And, mm-hmm. and unless there's a medical reason, right? So I think you need to just push back a little politely right. to say, like, I really want to understand why you're recommending this specifically for me, not just because that's what you like to do for everybody. Right. So understanding that you do have a voice. And, and really, we know from the research that birth trauma, unfortunately, is on the rise. And one of the ways we can reduce birth trauma is to really feel as though we've been heard validated and respected in the process. So it's not so much about what happens to you, it's how it happens, right? Did you feel like you had some decision-making capacity, even if it was for a split second? Right. Did you feel informed part of this or were you like a body on the table? And I hate to use that, but it's a real thing. I know. And most women I know I even just from like reels that you've posted are told that they have to lay on their back, right? Oh gosh, pushing. Should I not talk about this? But I, you know what though? <laughs> Honestly, this is the thing about like why I love having guests and diff- sharing different viewpoints. Like, you know what? We have to talk about this stuff. Like it's, it's, I know I was told that I had to stay on my back. And I, was I ended too. up with two C-sections. Like I'm not saying that that's yeah. the reason. Could have been the induction. I don't know. I don't know, but I, I think it's it's tough because you are in such a vulnerable position and you want to do anything to get the baby out and you're being told and led mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from doctors that this is the way that it has to be, but there are, there actually are, are alternatives. There are alternatives. And this isn't, you know, I think one of the things too we have to acknowledge is you know, when you're having a conversation with your care provider, the safety of me and my baby comes first. I acknowledge that. Get that out of the way because it's the truth. Right. Now, given that, I understand that I'm a reasonable human being. Can we also talk about some of the other options I have? For example, birth on my back. That is not a sacrum freeing position. So essentially your sacrum, if you're lying on your back, is wedged against the bed. And that is going to make it a lot smaller, your pelvic outlet is, is shrinks essentially by about 30% when you're on your back. Also, if you think of the anatomy of the pelvis, you're actually pushing uphill. Right. You're pushing against gravity. And we know actually, side note, this might be a fun little tidbit, fun, and I say that sarcastically, is that it the whole kind of trend of having women birth on their back was from a pervy king in like the 1500s or whatever, a long time ago, there was right. this French king who was like, I want to see my heir being born. So before that, women would always be like using stools or right, squatting. Right, because you feel like you want to be on all yes, fours almost. 100%. And he was like, no, I want a good view. Of right. Cause sorry. It's no, so no, I'm just like, <laughs> really? It's when you true. think about it, it's like, it feels challenging. Like when you just wrap your head around yeah. that position. It's, it's, Really, the education needs to change because this is how our physicians and many, even midwives, are taught that this is this is the way they're taught to catch babies. They're comfortable. Mm-hmm. So really, it's for the convenience of your care provider, but it is not evidence-based. We know in the evidence, they say to avoid recumbent positions, recumbent meaning lying back, for so many reasons, longer pushing time, more pelvic floor trauma, you know, pushing against gravity, right. not to mention the breathing techniques of hold your chin, count to 10, bear down is also not evidence-based, right? I, I just 
didn't understand how to push. I still don't. <laughs> I swear to you. And I'm like, I, I was like, I, I feel like I couldn't. Pu- that was like, I remember saying that to my doctor. I'm like, could I push right? She's like, it wasn't you. And I was like, I couldn't. There's push. so many factors to it. There really are. So I really hope that you don't have any type of self-blame for anything. Because I know it can be really hard when you think back and you're this narrative of my body didn't do what it was supposed to do. Yeah. I don't now, but I did Took a while to get over that, right? Oh, yeah. I was traumatized. I'm sorry. That's okay. You're so sweet. I'm so, like, happy to talk about this stuff because it's so important for us women, right, to know that we have choices. And... I think the more that we can just share the knowledge yeah. and choices and and empower people to advocate for themselves, it's just, it's up to us, right? It is not easy, but I do know that it will help you feel more satisfied with your story, regardless of how it, it pans out. I agree. So let's talk a little bit about diastasis, diastasis recti, because everyone, I feel like it's the number one asked question and like what not to do, what to do from your professional viewpoint philosophy. Could you share some things that you suggest avoiding if you have Okay. DR. And I, what is DR I for love, people that don't know? Separation of the abdominal wall. It's like Barbara Walters here. Such good <laughs> questions. Okay. So, all right. So, diastasis, diastasis, tomato, tomato. Everyone says it's so Everyone different. Says it, right. Same, same. Right. So, it's essentially, think about silly putty. Did you ever play with that as a mm-hmm. kid? You're pulling. My kids or, love or, it. Or taffy. Right. Right. You pull it. And as you pull it, it gets thinner and thinner. That's essentially the middle of your six-pack muscle that has to stretch when you're pregnant. That tissue gets thinner and has to. It's actually functional and widens as the baby grows. So diastasis, that's how I say it, whatever. <laughs> I feel like that is, could be is essentially that thinning and widening of the midline of your six-pack muscle. 100% of women in pregnancy by the end of their pregnancy are going to get it. of us. It is unavoidable. Wow. Okay. However, we can avoid the severity. Like the coning. Yeah, that's just a sign. Coning is a sign that your core is under pressure and Mm. that pressure is going to come out taking the path path of least resistance. So when you see that cone, that's just because now everything's thinned and you're not managing that pressure well. So it's popping out. That's a whole... How much time do we have? I mean, I know. <laughs> well, she shares a lot of these <laughs> on Instagram workouts, you guys, too, that you and can. And on the platform. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it's really, it's, it's about understanding that it's a pressure issue. So diastasis is really functional. The baby is growing and that baby, as it grows, puts more pressure on your abdominal wall. But there are things you can do proactively to reduce the pressure through breathing techniques, through alignment. It's a lot about breathing, to be honest, and knowing how to direct your breath. Um, you want to avoid crunches in pregnancy mm-hmm. because crunches in pregnancy, you may have noticed, it will make your tummy cone. And if right. you see coning, that's a sign that you're not managing your pressure well. And so if you keep doing a movement where you're seeing coning, that's encouraging your abs to separate even more, which we obviously don't want. Right. For example, also, and, and this is my take, I'm sure other people might disagree. However, I don't recommend women plank, full plank after that around, was my next question. around 20 weeks. Okay. And this is, you know, someone like yourself, you probably could handle it. 
till the third trimester. I could, I can, but a lot of people, a lot of people cannot. And so, yeah, I taught my whole pregnancy. I would demonstrate in a plank, but then I wouldn't hold Hold it. it. So, and the reason is that your transversus abdominis, your deepest layer of core isn't often like strong enough to maintain that that position. So, I mean, even in the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, they recommend full plank as a prenatal exercise. Maybe great for the first, maybe into your second trimester, but late late stage pregnancy, you've got this big, heavy baby, and then you're loading your core in a front-loaded position, and that baby's pushing on the silly putty tissue that's already vulnerable. It's like there are so many other core exercises that you can do that aren't going to do that and that are, aren't going to encourage your tissue to separate even more. Yeah. So again, there may be a few people who have that strength, but the vast majority, it, it would be better for them to choose different movements. And she is sharing so many incredible series. I mean, even just the way like you broke everything down on the platform with like your descriptions and like, you're so thoughtful. You're such a thoughtful, I just the way that you teach. And even I know when I came in one day and you were like in the middle of filming and I love you write everything down. Do you write everything down? People don't write it down. I don't, I don't, I don't (laughs) anymore. I did in the beginning. Yeah. And then I found that I was like, holding so tightly to the paper yeah. that it started getting in the f- way of my flow. Like I was like, oh, wait, what was that moving? I'm like, Melissa, just go like, you know what you wanted to do. And so I remember one day I like had my little notebook and then I, you let it I go. left that notebook in the other room and nice. I just never brought the notebook back. But yeah. every we all have a different way of totally. like getting into our rhythm, right? And the way that we guide. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, in a, before I teach a live class, I don't have a notebook. It's, this is really more that... I want to leave your subscribers, your your people with really specific moves. And I don't want there to be like overlap. I don't want to by accident give like two workouts that are too similar. So I'm trying to do a really nice variety yes. of stuff so that people can kind of get a taste and really understand that like, you know, and also not get bored. <laughs> right. Uh, which you did a beautiful job of. I mean, I've been like all Love in this. there doing your workouts and it's been like, so nice to like be with you there as well. I mean, I tried your workouts before, obviously, you know, getting really clear with who I wanted to bring on. And it's just been, it's been amazing. And I'm, I'm so excited for people to like experience you and to help them feel confident in their bodies because you, you help women gain confidence in themselves and moving in ways that feel good and listening to themselves, right? Because it's virtually guiding is like, it's up to you to be that, like, you have to listen to yourself. Like, we're not adjusting here and it's hard to know what everyone's doing. So it's, it all really comes down to listening how how you feel and how, um, like, what feels good for you. Like you said, maybe planking felt fine for me, yeah. but it may not feel good for someone else. I think the key is to give information, to say, like, this is the situation. We're not, and, and so I back to the question you, you asked me earlier, what, you know, the list of do's and don'ts. This is a question I am asked all the time. Like, is this diastasis safe? Is it not? The 
really, it's so individual. And so we've stepped away. It used to be more like that. Like, don't do this, right, don't do that. Right. But we've really stepped away from that, those types of lists. And it's really about understanding, you know, how are you managing this pressure in your body? And that can be frustrating for people when you're told, listen to your body. And it's like, I don't know what that means. Right. <laughs> right? That's like, a really good point. Right. I'm pregnant. Yeah. I this I, my body doesn't feel like my own. How am I supposed to listen to my body? Like my center of gravity is changing, <laughs> right? Like I, I feel totally discombobulated. So I use the framework of the six Ps to help people understand like, am I managing this well or am I not? So are you having pain? Are you feeling pressure like down on your pelvic floor? Do you have any like peaking, aka doming coming out, right? Yes. Peaking like a tent coming out. Are you peeing your pants? That's a no. <laughs> Don't keep going. Are you having popping? Popping is can be hard to see in pregnancy, but do you feel like, you know, instead of being able to like engage and wrap the core, is it right. bulging out during a movement? Mm. Um, did I get them all pain? So like when you, you hug baby in, that's the key. Yeah. Hug the baby. Yes, I love when you sh- like the when you showed it. <laughs> even when you were pregnant, it was like she's pregnant, and then she hugs, and you're like, where'd the baby go? Like, My party trick. Wild. <laughs> you really hug. I mean, this is also a muscle you use for pushing, Mm -hmm. right? And this is something that I want more people to practice, A, to reduce diastasis, but also because when you can connect to these muscles, even if you have a dense epidural, it's easier for you to connect because you have that muscle memory. You've practiced it. And I I get into these conversations all the time with labor and delivery nurses. And they're like, you know, because they see my posts. I'm like, stop telling women to push on their back and tuck their chin and count to 10. (laughs) Right? Like these are my angry reels, angry, like tongue in cheek, you know, whatever. And um, you just call it out. I call it out. But you say it like it is. And people sometimes are like defensive. And I understand they're like, hey, what am I supposed to do when I have, you know, a patient who's epiduralized, thick, like heavy epidural, she's not connecting, she doesn't get it. The only thing we know that works is those cues. Like, right. And it's tricky because, you know, obviously I wish there was better prenatal education for everybody where they can learn to connect to these muscles and understand how their pelvic floor opens and releases. What does laboring down mean? Like all these things that that are available to them. How do you use a peanut ball in birth? Like Mm -hmm. these are tools that should be available to everybody. And so, you know, I get I get into it in a, in a nice professional way. And I'm just like, yeah, it's not your fault as a nurse. It's hard. You're in a situation. But, you know, little tips like have the patient put their hand on their lower abdomen and try to feel because they can't feel if they've had, right? So right. draw the belly in. Think of pushing using your core. I mean, all these little tips can hopefully help people have better birth experiences. I think so. I mean, that's, that's why, you know, we just keep sharing it like it really is like the real stuff that people want to hear and I I would just I feel like you've given so much like such a great insight to really like who you are as a teacher a leader but is there anything else that you want to share with Mm. this community that you'll be bringing to the table, maybe anything more about your philosophy or just what to expect because I'm so excited. (laughs) I think that a couple of things I feel like I really want to reiterate to everybody, and this can feel like a lot of people might be doing the harder work and might be getting dysfunction symptoms. So maybe you're doing the harder work, but you're leaking, but you're having pain, but, you know, and you're just like, oh, it's normal. And it's like, you don't have to live this way. 
So I want to tell anyone who's who's experiencing these things and just sort of like chalking it up to their new reality, you don't have to feel that way. You can also go back and do these more basic rehab. And I understand like full, dis- it's going to be potentially a little boring <laughs> first. Right. To it's go back. Slower. It's slower. It's slower. And it's like this moving meditation kind of thing, but it is worth it. It's worth it and it's never too late. So I've had people, the story, I was at Zara in Toronto where I'm from like a couple months ago and I'm in the change room and this grandma stops me and she's got like, she's like, I get shivers when I tell the story. She's got like tears in her eyes. She's like, are you the Belmont? And I was like holding hangers and I'm like, yes, yes, I am. And she's like, can I hug you? And this is like, Right at the end of the pandemic, like nobody hugged. And I was like, <laughs> yes, you can hug me. And we're like, and she's like holding on. She's got this like white bob, like beautiful. She's like, and I'm like, yeah. And I, I just, I just wanted to say yes. She's with her granddaughter. She's like, you helped me so much. And she's like, what misty eyed. I'm like, how, how did I help you? She's like, she's, I had three C-sections and she's like, I had chronic pain my whole life. And I didn't understand the importance of scar massage how to deal with scar adhesions, castor oil packs. She says, I have had debilitating lower back pain for decades. And she said, and I literally have the shivers again right now. She's like, I did these massage techniques. I did, and now my pain is gone. She's like, I saw all the people, you know, they even suggested surgery at one point, like all these things. And I'm thinking, why aren't women given better guidance post-op? Why aren't we telling people, hey, you know what? Especially after three C-sections, you're going to have adhesions. They're going to impact so many aspects of function from your digestion to pain to all these things. There are, you know, therapeutic things you can do. You don't just have to live with it and take Mm. pain meds. So again, here's a woman in her 60s. She was a Montessori school teacher. It's like the cutest person ever. And yeah, she's just like, thank you. So again, I I tell the story because I want people to know it's never too late. So you might be like, I'm not postnatal anymore but you're still dealing with issues, there's things you can do. I know there are. And, and even though I feel like there's such a mentality with movement sometimes that people think they have to like go hard or it's just not enough. And I mean, that's what really inspired me to share low impact and like, you can, you can have an intense, approach to it, but it doesn't have to like beat you into the ground. And even after doing like your booty series the other day, I'm like, it was so gentle, but it was like, I felt it, you know, but it wasn't like, I'm not dripping sweat, but it's, it's amazing what happens when you do take it a notch down and like really learn how to connect to your body. And you, you guys are going to feel that with Nikki. You're going to feel so safe in this woman's company, I'm telling you, for pre, post pregnancy and beyond. And can you leave? I feel like what you just said for me, it like brought me back to my why. Like what is, what gets you on the mat? Like what is your why? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What is that thing that just really fuels you to like take on the day with such positivity and light because that's really what you share. Oh, thank you. I mean, we all, I have my moments. <laughs> Same. Yeah, two-year-old, four-year-old at home. Oh, it's tired. Mm-hmm. But um, but I I think for me it's this this mission to support women's health, to really improve their quality of life. Like we we deal with so much and 
You know, I don't think that <sighs> we do. Motherhood is not martyrdom. We don't need to sacrifice everything, you know, and, and I just, the whole like, you know, suck it up, you know, just suck it in and suck it up. Like, no, I don't buy that. I think we deserve better information, better care, better evidence-based information, you know, and, and to understand that, like, you know, the classic, like, I can't tell you how many companies have reached out and they're like, Hey, I've got these pads. Will you be the spokesperson? I'm like, I will, I will <laughs> on the like condition that you're going to add a huge thing on the homepage of your website to say that pelvic health physical therapy is the best way, the gold standard to treating incontinence. And if you do that, then yeah, let's talk. I love crickets. You. <laughs> <laughs> crickets. So, and it's, you know, like, I'm like, listen, I will do it, but we can't market these solutions that are just band-aids, like actually help people. And that's empowering, right? Like you wearing a pad isn't empowering. You going and taking this issue and getting help for it. Right. Getting to like the, the root, root cause, yes. you guys. So this is just, again, because I'm so passionate about pelvic health because so many people are feeling shame about something that they're going through and then they don't seek help because of that shame. And then they feel like they just, and, and you know, silence breeds more shame. And then it's something they're not talking about enough, I think. So let's talk about it. Yes, let's talk about it and let's get women to feel damn good in their bodies no matter what stage of life they're at. It's such an honor, truly, to have you here, to have you sharing your work with this community. Everyone is going to fall in love with you. And I'm just, thank you. I'm so happy and honored to have you. I feel that. I feel your energy is palpable and I am grateful as well. So thank you for putting your chest in me because this is a big deal. What you're doing is pretty impressive. I would like, if I had another kid, I'd like have you in the delivery room. (laughs) That's how much I trust her. I don't know. She just breathes that like energy. Thank you. I would not I would that I'm be like thinking honored. I'm mean, just keep hearing me you. I'm like, I don't know. Keep like, I feel like I'll fly down. You'd be welcome. <laughs> I will be helping you advocate, that's for sure. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. God, I have to say it still feels so good to share that the evolution of the MWH platform is finally here. And we are giving you so much more on the platform with your membership. We have a very special offer for our Move With Heart listeners. We've never done this before. For new members, in addition to your seven-day free trial, we are giving your first entire month for free. That's another 30 days free, you guys. We never do this. All you have to do is head to melissawoodhealth.com and use code MOVEWITHHEART. All lowercase, no spaces when you sign up for a monthly membership. Let me tell you, if you did not know this already, MWH now offers so much more. I cannot emphasize that enough in every category to help guide you in both movement and meditation so you can feel not only your absolute best in your body, but most importantly, in your mind. So don't forget to get your first month free. Use code MOVEWITHHEART when you sign up for a monthly membership at melissawoodhealth.com and follow me on Instagram at melissawoodtepperberg and MWH at melissawoodhealth on Instagram and TikTok. I cannot wait to see you all on the map.